You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, folks, to our next NFL Draft Position Group Preview Show here on Big Blue View. Folks, make sure if you enjoy the show to hit that subscribe button as well as leaving us a five-star review. And also head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants off-season analysis. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as we are continually giving you analysis on the 2021 NFL Draft Class. We've done corners, we've done safeties. Today, we are doing the linebackers, which is going to be such a crucial position group for the Giants in this 2021 class. Some really fantastic names that are realistically in that 11th spot for the Giants. And then additionally, um, there are also players that in the second and third round, if they don't get somebody in the first round, that they could easily go out and get and could have a, a serious contribution. But one of the position groups that we've talked about a ton in resolving this offseason, just solidifying, adding an additional playmaker is that linebacker group. And I want to open up our discussion today, Chris, by talking about what kind of linebacker the Giants are looking for. And I think that there's two that ultimately fit the mold, but I think the priority is trying to get somebody to play next to Blake Martinez that is better than Devontae Downs, maybe a little bit more dynamic than David Mayo, or Get an outside linebacker that is great in space, that is super athletic and quick, that be can that can be used in di different formations, in different roles. Those are really the two main things for me that the Giants are going to need to prioritize. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also don't think those two things can or should be mutually exclusive. You know, if the Giants could find a three-down linebacker who is able to be that off-ball linebacker who can cover in space, cover tight ends, cover running backs, but also give them production in the run game, who can give them some help as a pass rusher, uh, maybe as a blitzer, maybe as just a regular pass rusher in nickel packages, but a guy they can rely on to give them speed at the second level, I think that is really the ideal pick at, at the linebacker position. And I, I think the the best generalization for this linebacker group is I, I don't think that they're going to go out and sign anybody in free agency because they've already spent the money there with Blake Martinez. And I think that if you can go get like a serious impact guy instead of what they did last year where they waited until day three and they took a, a ton of players at linebacker, I, I think that if you can get like a, a guy that can actually come in and make splash plays and cause problems and show up, maybe not every single play, but make really big, important plays when you need those plays to pop up, that is really going to be the, the, the key thing for taking this defense to the second level. And, you know, we've mentioned before that 
uh, some of these various position groups, if they can add like a really big name guy, it will take them to the next level. We talked about that second corner spot. I think that it is just as comparable having a second linebacker to play alongside Blake Martinez really can have huge dividends that are paid out over the next few years for this defense under Patrick Graham. Yeah, you, the Giants would do well to get somebody who can complement Blake Martinez. You know, Martinez is very smart. He is a very good communicator. He is a tackling machine. He's really good coming downhill, tracking the ball, shooting gaps, making tackles and plays in the run game. But he is not the rangiest linebacker. You know, I, I don't think anybody is going to be sending us angry letters, you know, by just acknowledging that Blake Martinez is a fine athlete, but he is not the kind of modern linebacker who can be used to combat spread offenses. He is good in coverage, but he isn't, you know, really great in coverage. And the Giants are still vulnerable over the middle, two tight ends, two running backs, uh, some slot receivers. So I think finding that guy who can shore up that weakness, who can cover for Martinez, who, you know, maybe free him up to play even faster downhill. Yeah, that would, I think, go a long way towards fixing some of the weaknesses in this defense and you know, really preventing offenses from finding ways to exploit them next year. And honestly, that that's where I'm leaning towards is getting somebody who is a little bit more compact, a little bit faster, that is better in coverage because that is where some of Martinez's deficiencies are. He's not a bad coverage linebacker, but he's just not as good as some of the other guys that maybe they could possibly go get through this draft class and, and put in this group. And we have to first start our conversation with the day one group and the first guy, without a doubt, that has to be brought up that I think is just so different from anybody else in this class is Micah Parsons from Penn State. And we've mentioned previously that Micah Parsons, if he falls to 11, the Giants shouldn't even think twice about taking him. But the reality here is that he's probably not going to make it that far just because of some of the other teams that need some impact players at the linebacker position or just defense in general. And, you know, ultimately what might impact this is how long the run on quarterbacks goes and if they can benefit from enough teams trading up and pushing down some of these other receivers and also maybe Penny Sewell and some of the corners that Micah Parsons does hit that 11 spot. But the one thing that we've really talked about a lot with Parsons is that he is a really good linebacker. He's very athletic. He's very, very fast. He has the ideal build. He is a very aggressive downhill player. But what makes him so valuable is that he has pass rush experience as a former defensive end recruit who's now playing or played as an interior linebacker with Penn State in 2019. And that it makes him so valuable because the Giants do need an edge rusher. And I don't know if there really is a de facto top guy in this class that is clear and away from everybody else that could step in and be an immediate impact guy. So if you get Parsons, you're going to get a player that can play basically two roles. And that is ultimately what Patrick Graham wants because he loves versatility. When you ask where Micah Parsons fits best, I would just say yes. You know, in base downs, uh, obvious running downs, line him up as an inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez, let him use that explosiveness downhill. 
And if you're in a nickel down or, you know, maybe just like a general first and 10, second and six or seven, let him play outside linebacker, maybe in a nickel package and use that incredible range. If you're in a third and long, line him up as an edge rusher, maybe as, you know, like an elephant linebacker or something like that. If you're doing a a kind of take on a one gap attacking defense, you know, like four, three under or the old, uh, or the Wade Phillips, uh, three, four type defense and more or less use Parsons as an extra edge. He can do all of that. He has that sideline to sideline range and coverage. He has that linear explosiveness to come downhill and fill gaps in the run game. And he does have that ability to be potentially the best edge in this draft class. So he could fix so many problems for the Giants defense. Of course, you also talk about him getting to the Giants. You know, we are already seeing shakeups in the top 10. Uh, You know, not too long before we are recording the, we had that big blockbuster deal between the Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, maybe that quarterback need for the Detroit Lions just went away. So, you know, who knows how that will affect things. And then there's also the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys drafting above the Giants. And, you know, I I view Micah Parsons as a home run selection for the Giants. I think he's easily one of the five best players in this draft class at any position. So I am preparing myself for the Cowboys to select him at 10th, you know, one before the Giants. They do that constantly. (laughs) Yeah, that that would honestly ruin things completely because seeing him play for the Dallas Cowboys every single week or the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been the other team that has uh, been a, a commonly mocked name for the uh, uh, for Micah Parsons, that would honestly sting to see because he's, you know, I'll be honest, he's the top priority for me. He's the guy who I one thousand percent want to see on the Giants, and just ultimately, if he lands with either of those two other teams, that is really going to hurt me, and that's <laughs> that's going to be painful to watch. The, the next guy. That is very different, I think fits what we discussed or what I brought up earlier, that pairing somebody who's a little bit lighter and better in coverage, uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa from Notre Dame, I think would be a really good pick and maybe they value him high enough at 11, maybe they end up trading back, which just doesn't happen with Dave Gettleman, but I really love Jeremiah Usukoromoa because he's a rover backer, has a safety background, is so, so good in coverage, can cover receivers in the slot, can cover tight ends. Um, heck, he's even you know had instances where he's had to cover outside receivers. He is so, so good in coverage. He doesn't provide as much value when it comes to defending the run and uh, when it comes to getting off blocks when dealing with, with offensive linemen, but he's very quick and hard to block, which makes him a playmaker. And I think maybe... Awusu Koromoa can have an impact early, but he can turn into a much better player than he already is now because he has a really good ceiling. Uh, yeah, and you know, the, uh, looking for a linebacker to fill this kind of role, I almost don't care how well they can defend the run. Uh, the Giants have plenty of run defenders already. Yeah, they have Blake Martinez, they have Dexter Lawrence, they've got <clears throat> BJ Hill, they've got, you know, guys who can play the run, who can eat up blocks. A guy like Owusu Koromoa, he has that speed where he could blow up a running play from behind. He could get to a point before a blocker is even able to get into position to block him and make the tackle in the backfield or avoid a blocker and help string an outside run all the way out to the sideline. And having a guy with his athleticism, you know, he is 
you know, talked about Micah Parsons' athleticism and range. Owusu Kormo is on another level. He it was just everywhere for that Notre Dame defense. He is a ton of fun to watch. But even if he doesn't have the ability to take on offensive linemen, stack and shed blocks in, in that classic linebacker, linebacker archetype, you don't really need that anymore. You know, you look at some of the best defenses in the playoffs, at, you know, how many of them were you know, just completely shut down against the run. You really have to prioritize shutting down the passing game first and then dealing with the running game as best you can. Yeah, yeah, and I really love Jock as as just a really diverse player in terms of his skill set, and I, I don't think we're yet to see what he is capable of becoming. The reason why I'm so high on him is because he fits that modern mold that we're looking for with a rover as a lot of defenses are working towards having a Jeremy Chin on their defense, which means a, a bigger guy that is fast and quick and can cover really well, but still has an impact in the run game. More and more teams are going to try and add players like that who can stay on the field for all three downs. And I think Jock is definitely one of those players. The last guy, Nick Bolton from Missouri, probably a little bit too high to consider him at 11, but I think he is the ideal will backer that is going to be playing inside. He's on the smaller side. He's a little bit more compact. He's quick. He's uh, aggressive. And, you know, that's what you want in your weak side linebacker. You want your mic to be the, the center of the defense, to be the one that is controlling the calls, to be the, um, you know, the, the bigger body that is taking on blocks and uh, attacking the ball at the point of attack on the strong side. The will backer in your defense, you want to be the cleanup player. You want him to be the guy that that fills um, you know, fills gaps accordingly and plays from behind and then tracks down the football after the defensive line and the Mike backer have played their roles effectively. And I, I think that Nick Bolton could be that type of player with this defense, at, even though even though he might not really work within the current lineup, but I just I think that he would be a lot better than Devontae Downs or David Mayo as, as playing that 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 backup, sorry, not backup, that secondary inside linebacker role. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree that 11th overall is rich for Nick Bolton. Yeah, maybe if we had a scouting combine, he would be able to raise his draft stock up, but... I kind of see him more in like the bottom third of the first round. And who knows, maybe a trade down does happen this year. Uh, I'm not betting on it. I don't think, I don't think Vegas is even putting odds on that, but you know, it could happen. Could also happen is that maybe Bolton slips to the giants at the top of the second round. Now I know we're not talking about our day two prospects yet, but you know, it always happens where Guys, you have absolute first-round grades on. Guys, you don't expect to see after maybe pick 20 wind up sliding down into the 30s. And maybe Bolton slides all the way down to the Giants pick at the top of the second round. You know, he is an inside linebacker. Those guys don't have tremendous positional value. It could happen. So in that case, that starts to get to be a very interesting spot, depending on what happens with the Giants at eleven. Right. And again, I think the thing with Nick Bolton, he's just like a, an extra name to throw in there who is going to probably be in that first round consideration. I think more likely than not, what we might end up seeing is that Bolton slides into the second round 
And that's basically what happened last year with Xavier McKinney, where most considered him to be a first-round prospect who slid into the second round, and the Giants greatly profited off of the fact that some teams were overthinking him, and then additionally, teams were overvaluing some of these receivers that probably should not have been a late first-round pick, but they didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to get them in the end of the first round. So if that hypothetically happens, if there's a run on another position group, the Giants could seriously profit and and benefit from a guy like Nick Bolton sliding if they don't address the linebacker position in the first round. Coming up, we're going to cover the day two guys other than Nick Bolton that could be at that 11 spot in the second round, as well as some other uh, smaller day three names to be aware of. Before we do that, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. So coming up first here, Chris, a a name that I really, really like that was not really talked about much leading into the season and started to pick up some steam. And I think now people are really starting to understand his impact is Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. And I would consider him to be like a poor man's version of Micah Parsons, not the same player, but He's a really big linebacker. I think he's listed at like 260. Uh, He provides value when going against offensive linemen as a blitzer. And he would be a bigger body that you could probably use a little bit more outside than inside. He's not going to play that Will Backer role, but he's big. He's athletic. And if if there was a combine, I can tell you right now, Zayvon Collins would definitely benefit from it because he is a very explosive athlete despite being 260. I I think you're definitely right about him. going to be a riser over this draft process, you know, such, such as it will be. Uh, the draft network actually has him listed 19th overall on their big board at the moment. So it's possible we could see him go before Nick Bolton. We He might not even sniff the second round, but he is another one if he happens to be there. If he happens to fall to the Giants, that that's when the conversation starts to get really interesting. The Giants do like size, especially in their defenders. That's something Dave Gettleman has been consistent about for forever, really. You know, they, they absolutely believe that big people beat small people. And when you can combine you know, that kind of top-level athleticism with a guy who is 6'4", 260, and the Giants need for somebody to be able to maybe line up on the edge more often than not, go downhill, go against offensive linemen, uh, tight ends, provide that pass rush, provide the that value in the run game. Yeah, that is going to be a very interesting conversation if he even makes it that far. And then adding into some of these other names that I that I really, really like, Chaz Surratt from UNC, Jabril Cox from LSU. Those are both interesting names because they're athletic, not small linebackers, but a little bit leaner. Chaz Surratt, former quarterback at UNC, they move him to linebacker, and he has been uh, a huge impact player for their defense. Jabril Cox transferring from North Dakota State, heads to LSU, really solidified the fact that he's going to probably be a round two uh, early day three pick, both athletic, both leaner. And I think they would probably fit more of what we're talking about with trying to get uh, a quick athletic weak side linebacker. And you could also you know, throw in there um, uh, Connor McGrone from Michigan. There, there's just a fun group of players that could kind of fit that weak side conversation. Baron Browning, 
maybe not as much as a, a Will Backer, but uh, from Ohio State, had a really, really good senior bowl game. Downhill, great against the run. There's some pretty fun names, though, when you get to this day two, day three range that could be on the board for the Giants. Yeah, I, those three guys, uh, Chester, Jerome Cox, Baron Browning, I thought they all had great weeks at the senior bowl. I was a little disappointed to see Surratt pulled out of the final day of practices and not get to play in the game. I was really looking forward to him because he he is fun. And that quarterback to linebacker career path, that that just intrigues the hell out of me. And I really like his feet. He's got really good quick feet. Like you said, he's a little leaner, but that doesn't really impact his game. Jabril Cox, another guy, you know, really, really athletic, makes plays you know, in three dimensions, in space, coming downhill. And I kind of look at Browning as another kind of poor man's Parsons because when I watched him on tape at Ohio State, I did see him line up at edge. I did see him blitz from the interior, and he is very effective. He's got really good bend in his lower body. He's got a really good burst. So he he provides some some value there, and he can cause some real problems for offensive linemen. And I do believe he has the athleticism and range to be able to be a space player. Now, maybe not like Cox and Surratt or Parsons or absolutely nothing like Jock. But yeah, I think he's going to be a very interesting guy as well. And speaking of uh, Obusu Koromoa, I do kind of want to take a look at Hamsun Nasruddin just as a potential safety linebacker hybrid but coming from the other direction as a safety you know 215 he could easily be up to 225 uh that might happen naturally anyway in an nfl strength and conditioning program he does have that coverage ability he does have that ability to play a true safety role but with that size he can play in the box he can be an impact player covering tight ends running backs uh you know maybe you send him into the backfield and I think that's something teams should should consider. Just like you know, come back again, Jeremy Chin. You know, very similar frame and very similar player. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that is a you know an interesting discussion to have because Jeremy Chin was projected as a safety and then used a little bit as an outside linebacker. So that is definitely in play, and we and we co- covered Nasir Dean on the last show, and we went a, a little bit more in depth. So if you want to hear that conversation. Definitely go check that out. Last player that I just kind of want to briefly touch on, Dylan Moses. And I think some people are like, oh, why why isn't Dylan Moses in the first-round conversation? Because he was before the season, and he was last year. But this year for me, and he was playing, according to him, hurt. Um, I just felt like he was a step slow when it came to processing. I don't really like Dylan Moses as much as some of these other guys just because I, I don't see the the processing capability. I, I think that he is not a good reactor. And when you're playing middle linebacker, you need to think quick. You are so close to the football. You're not on the line of scrimmage. You need to be the guy that's getting to the ball first. So I'm not as high as on Moses. If he happens to slide, maybe take a chance if there's not a linebacker already gone and see what you can get from him. But as a former five-star recruit, he has the athletic traits. I'm just not all there with what's going on inside the helmet because of you know, some of those deficiencies when it comes to analyzing things in front of him. Yeah, and if you kind of look a bit disappointing in the Alabama defense, that should raise some red flags about your transition to the NFL because yeah, you know, Alabama always has 
a talent advantage over pretty much anyone they are going to play against. You know, maybe Ohio State or Clemson or LSU, but barring those schools, your teammates are going to be better than pretty much anybody you're going to be going up against. So if you kind of don't aren't able to step up and distinguish yourself against competition in that situation, you know, what exactly are you going to look like when the other guys are at least as good as your guys? And wrapping up our conversation here with some day three players, just a couple because there's we could go into full depth here and, and not going to go as crazy as the safety class just because a lot of the big names were on that day three list. But Monty Rice from Georgia, KJ Britt from Auburn, who I really thought had a, another guy who had a really good senior bowl uh, game and a decent week. He had that tipped pass. Uh, he also made a lot of really good tackles in the run game. I really was uh, surprised by his performance and, and just his general uh, you know, motor that he showed. And then Grant Stuard, who you really wanted to talk about here, Chris, busting his ass on special teams. I think he almost had a, a blocked punt because he was flying upfield. Uh, he's not going to come into the Giants uh, group and become a, a starter and a huge impact player day one. But if he's around on, on day three, heck, I'd take him. He's, he's going to give you a really hard time on special teams. Absolutely. You know, this, you know, we we do kind of have to talk about special teams on this show. That's kind of our, you know, I don't want to say gimmick, but it, that's an area we, we like to pay attention to and give credit when it deserves it. And Grant Stard, he is fun to watch. You know, he flashed. I thought during the week of practices, never quite enough for us to really specifically talk about because there were other guys who flashed more often or flashed brighter. But he was a guy I constantly noticed in drills. I thought he had some pretty good movement skills. He definitely gives great effort every single rep, every single time. But in that game, you know, he was easy to follow because of the hair, you know, like kind of a ginger Troy Polamalu out there. And, you know, you talk about special teams. He did bust his ass every single special teams play. And he actually had two almost blocked punts. And, you know, that is a game in which blocking punts is supposed to be illegal. But he still went out there, put in the effort. He came really close to doing it. So I think that sort of thing is going to jump out at a coach like Joe Judge who is coming from that special teams background the Giants have three special teams coordinators on their coaching staff so you know a guy who you know maybe they've got those multiple late round picks they could use one on him and he could give you a ton of value on special teams maybe work his way onto the defense but be a 10-year contributor on that special teams be a special teams captain and you know there is value in that yeah, certainly value when it comes to being a special teams player. And that, that's how a lot of these guys end up making their careers is is based off of special teams. It's not just about the, the big name starters who end up getting drafted very, very early. Folks, that's going to be it from us on today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII and at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Be also sure to head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. We'll talk to you uh, next week, folks, as we will continue on our defensive class breakdowns, and we will be hitting the edge class next.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.